While we work at Microsoft, this podcast is independent of Microsoft and implies no warranty or guarantee of the products or services. We will not be sharing anything confidential, and we do not represent the opinion of Microsoft in any way. We are just two passionate guys that love what we do implementing Microsoft devices and services. Welcome to the Device Pros Podcast. I'm Frank Pinto, and my co-host is Alfred Ojuku. This show is all about our experience as consultants implementing Microsoft solutions around the world. If you're already an IT pro or you're trying to get started, you've come to the right place. We will discuss tech success and failure in the show, resources, tips, tricks, and everything in between. You can find us at www.thedevicepros.com, on Twitter and Facebook as The Device Pros. Hold on to your surfaces. The episode is about to begin. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of The Device Pros. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Alfred Ojuku. Hey, Alfred, what's going on, man? What's up, man? How's it going? It's going good. Today, we actually have a guest who's joining us. Uh, his name is Simon Frost. Hey, Simon, how you doing? Hey, not bad. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you. So we're going to be uh, talking about something that Simon is fast becoming a specialist in called App Locker. App Locker. Yeah, yeah, really excited about uh, talking about App Locker. My customers, it's, it's one of these things that's been around for a while and our, our customers are sort of aware that it's there, but not really sure, you know, how they can use it, how they can leverage it. So Simon's going to bring us some of that information today. And, and Simon, I hope you don't mind, but Alfred and I are both real interested in this. We're going to, we're going to quiz you. It's going to be a lightning jeopardy round here. I get to ask All the first right. question then. No. Here's my first question. First Shoot. question, what what is AppLocker? If I if I'm new to AppLocker, tell me what is AppLocker and why should I care about it? So uh, AppLocker is built into all operating systems since Windows 7, so Windows 8, Windows 8.1, and it is a behind the way seat, behind the scenes way to prevent execution of certain executables, DLLs, scripts, uh, Windows 8 applications, and a few other bits and bobs that sort of fall outside of those um those categories. Really? So sure? it's it's is it more than just uh, regular MSI applications? I, I didn't realize it did more than just applications. It is indeed. Uh, it can target so regular applications like you mentioned. Um, you can stop execution of executable files or DLLs. You can do that in a number of ways. Uh, first of all, pick them up by publisher, so they're signed MSI certificates. You can pick them up by their path, so where they're located on your box, and you can even hash files to make sure they don't change one bit. Outside of those uh, sort of more conventional methods, you can pick up scripts. So that's VBS, PS1, PowerShell stuff, um, and a whole bunch of other extensions that I don't have to hand at the moment. Um, you can pick up installers, and you can also pick up Windows 8 store apps. Uh, so all familiar with the, uh, I don't know what it's called now, but it was Windows 8 apps on Metro last time I checked. Windows Store apps, that's correct, Windows Store apps. So, but, and to add to that, my last question, and I'll let you kind of keep going, and, and I'm sure Frank will jump in at any point in, in this conversation, is why should I care? Why should I care about AppLocker? So, this kind of stuff has been, uh, in the past, the realm of separate applications that you've got to install on a PC and administer. With AppLocker, it's already there. The application identity service uh, within the operating systems I mentioned before 
doesn't have the overhead of a traditional, say, virus scanner or XC blocker, and it's administrable via group policy. So it is absolutely not something that people have to learn, you know, a whole raft of new stuff about. It's there, and if you understand group policy, you're good to go already. All right, so right off the bat, I got to say, this sounds complicated, uh, Simon. Group policy, application installer service, uh, identification service, all kinds of stuff. How, how difficult is this thing to implement? So the good news is most of it's already there. Um, if you are, I should mention, it's only in certain versions of Windows, so uh, Pro and Enterprise, I need to check on that. Hmm. But um, it's actually already there as soon as you install the OS. So the application identity service runs for other reasons in Windows. We need to do there is uh, stick in a group policy to make sure the user can't switch it off. Okay. And past that, setup is as simple as deploying. doesn't even need to be a separate group policy object. Um, to whichever container in your AD you want to restrict those policies on. And it's all set up by a wizard. So, so oh, go ahead. Yeah, I heard you say it was only available in certain versions, Pro and Enterprise. But I guess, uh, is it only available on client systems? Is that what you're implying? or? Um, as far as I'm aware, I haven't, uh, haven't been outside of that. I'd have to check on the server operating systems. Oh, it sounds like you've worked with it on just basically client. Because oh, yes. I know from what I remember, it's also available in server 2012 and 2008 R2, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So I didn't know that. That's pretty awesome. So you yeah. can, you can utilize this in a, in a virtual space, Alfred. Is that where you're getting at? So if you have like virtual desktop, whatever, that you, you could use this to, um, streamline the experience. Well, potentially, I would I would probably look at it more as using it to manage applications being installed on a server client, a server uh, system, uh, similar to what you do with the client system itself. Okay. All right. So administrators accessing the box, you don't want them throwing on, um, you know, I don't know, everything and anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. So Simon, let's let's backtrack for a minute. Why don't you um, Why don't you tell us and our listeners what you do for Microsoft? So uh, I'm fresh on the scene. I'm a graduate. Uh, I'm in an associate consultant position. So I'm out on the ground um, implementing all our fantastic technologies. Still very much in a world sort of spinning fashion, but it's been good to me so far. All right. Um, I am I'm a client guy like you guys. So, uh, well, I'm a devices guy. I'm not a client guy. I'm a devices. <laughs> well, I'm a client specific. and devices guy, Alfred. So, you know, <laughs> just try to get there. So, I'm so working far, on I'm it. I'm an app guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me ask you another question here. Uh, I hope it's not too personal, but you, you have a bit of a funny accent. Is this your Australian uh, shrimps <laughs> on the Barbie? Is that how it works? Oh, well, yes. We see if I put on my proper accent, I'm very much British. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. You know, it's funny that you just said that. I met a gentleman this weekend, and he mentioned to me that he did not care to be called British. Uh, He said he is English, not British. Uh, So you're fine with with being called a Brit. However you want to put it, really. English, Uh, British, UK-ish. I don't think anyone's ever said that one before. (laughs) <laughs> just as long as you're not a yank he doesn't like yanks <laughs> <laughs> they put up with me here it's fine you know it's it's, it's all right i'm a novelty hey, we, hey you're uh you're enjoyable you're a, you're a big personality we're all very serious <laughs> well thank you simon i appreciate that <laughs> all right so back back to tech here 
now that we know a little bit about Simon. Simon, um, so where are you currently implementing this? Well, I guess you can't tell us where, but you know, what's tell me about the environment that you're currently implementing AppLocker in. So uh, we're working on uh, a large-scale secure environment. Uh, we're going from XP to Windows 8.1. Mm. And at the moment, we are implementing it on what will be in a state of a 1,000 machines that need to be uh, absolutely secure. Mm. They're, they're there's no questioning about it. It's got to be locked down as tight as we can get it, and AppLock is part of that. Okay. And what's the um, what is the administrator style experience? I mean, are we locking things down by computer? Are we locking things down by user? You know, how how, how does this all work? So we've got a mixture. Um, a lot of the stuff you'd imagine is on the PC is on the PC. So some things even the local administrator can't do. But the AppLocker piece is being delivered as a per-user experience. So we've got a whole bunch of applications in the environment that we need to dish out to some users but not to others. And uh, that's where that's where we're using AppLocker. We've got them all potentially pre-installed on the box, depending on how many people have used uh, Use System Center to deploy that down to their box. Mm. And so because they're installed locally, every time a user logs on, we don't want to give each user access to each other user's apps. In this case, we've got AppLocker, um, and AppLocker is capable of targeting group policy objects. Uh, not group policy objects, Active Directory um, organizational units. Oh. So we've got, we've also got uh, groups, and they're the way that we're targeting. So in this case, AppLocker is looking at the group the user's part of. We've got a group per application. Um, if that user is part of the group that's allowed to use that application, mm. then AppLocker will have an allow rule, lets them run that executable. If they're not, they get denied. Okay, so the the implementation at this uh, at this particular customer is a deny with a whitelist. Is that correct? It is indeed. Yeah. Okay, so there is the flip side, right? I mean, you could say allow all except these particular applications. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you uh, if you had a nice big blacklist of applications that uh, nobody really wants on their corporate environment, I'll leave that one up to the imagination. Then mm-hmm. you can uh, block those by signature, by path, and by executables uh, MSI signing as well. Wow! So, I mean, give me a scenario here. First thing that comes to mind is, let's say that the customer is running Office 2013, and mm-hmm. Office 2013 now releases Service Pack One. Do I have to create a new policy to let Service Pack 1 roll, or how, how does that work? So this is quite a good one. Um, in that case, because we've released, uh, when Office comes out, it's got signings on all the files. When you sign a file, you can choose um, version numbers, etc., etc. And so when you pick that up in AppLocker, AppLocker can see the version number, the publisher, um, and even the software name, and you can adjust um, which piece of that it pays attention to when it's allowing or denying the file. So with Office, we can say if it's Microsoft and if its application name is Office, then ignore the version number as long as those two things are correct and it's properly signed, allow it to run. So in that situation, uh, you could upgrade Office and you almost 99% wouldn't have to touch that policy unless you've got a custom uh, custom setup that's changed locations, etc. Wow. That that really sounds pretty powerful. Um, 
<laughs> wow, that, that that's pretty awesome. So it really is. I mean, I can dial it all the way down to the version. Or just, just uh-huh. so I understand, I could I could back it up and just say, okay, the Microsoft Digital Signature signature for Office. If it meets mm-hmm. that, go ahead and install that next version without having to get as granular. Yep, for sure. I mean, uh, if you knew this trustworthy guy named uh, Frankie Pinto, and he'd signed all his MSIs with his name, then you could go as far as to say any application that's installed that's provided by and signed by Frankie Pinto, go away, let, let that install. Hey, um, I know Frankie Pinto. I know that guy. <laughs> there you go. Hell I mean, all you know. That, if you know him, then you know you probably want to deny it. But. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So, <laughs> so is a deny rule better than an actual you know, allow rule? I mean, or is there a preference for whether you have one or the other? So they do carry a slightly different weight. Um, if I were to have three rules that conflicted on the same thing, the deny would win. Um, mm. That's that's more of a safety thing. So you can't uh, say I said everything in C temp can run. Um, but so I'll deny is actually deny seems to be the more powerful option when you're dealing with that blocker. Yeah, for sure. Okay. There's uh, also exceptions. So when you create a rule, you can create an exception to that rule. And that's it somewhere in the middle as far as permission uh, ranking goes. Deny is the most powerful one. Exception on a deny is next and then an allow. So when would we use an exception? So uh, a good one for that is in our situation that we were talking about before. We've got a bunch of apps installed on a machine, but we've also got a rule that says allow everything in this folder to run. And this folder is C Windows because we don't really want to start blocking the, the system executables, because I don't know if you've ever used Windows like that, but it doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and an exception rule in there says, we say allow everything in C Windows, but obviously PowerShell sits in there, and our client don't really want their users sitting down using PowerShell to affect the system, so we've got an exception in there to say, we'll allow everything in C Windows to run, except PowerShell. Can you also do that by user so i could say allow everything in windows to run except powershell unless you're a local admin yep absolutely so you'd uh, you'd have that allow rule for everything and then you would have your local admin set up to a separate rule which allows them to run that powershell executable as a direct path or as a signature or as a file hash if you so wish wow that's awesome, dude. So honestly, quick question, um, Simon. Why is it that only admins can can uh, make changes to app blocker policies? So something. Uh-huh. Yep, uh, absolutely. Well, you can imagine um, power users. We, <laughs> I am one. I love them. But uh, if someone sat me down in front of a system and said, well, you know, you can only run these executables, and I had a, a quick poke around, and I found that that local GPO, and I started editing it. Then I would, as soon as it comes, have everything I wanted running. So uh, they they're very much restricted in that sense to prevent the more creative computer users from implementing a local GPO that overrides the the domain GPO. So it's somewhat of a control mechanism. Absolutely, Applook is the kind of thing you'll find. Um, where the system administrator really cares about what's able to run within their network, be it a secure environment, government, stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. So if my users, you know, if I if I'm working on a large, uh, you know, five thousand C organization, and I have specific users in the trading trading floor that want specific applications installed, they have to go through some request process so that they can have access to a specific application, um, you know, or possibly, you know, prov- if if I want I wanted to prevent them from having access to a specific trading app that's for customer A versus customer B, I could also use AppLocker to prevent them from installing that customer B application. Yep, absolutely. With a security group for each application and the appropriate AppLocker rules targeted to those groups, you could uh, add them in and take them out as you wish. And as soon as the group policy on their boxes updates, they'll be allowed or denied as you see fit. That, wow, that's really cool. Now, just out of request, uh, you know, uh, curiosity are there other ways i can do this in other words uh you know i know of software restriction policies and how those work um how do how is AppLocker different from let's say software restriction policies so AppLocker is designed to take the place of software restriction policies i'm not fully versed with them because i, I never worked with software restriction policies myself AppLocker was my first foray into per application blocking but what I hear is uh, if you use an app locker, software restriction policies, it's better if they're not there. They do play together, but sometimes don't play nice if you get them to conflict. So app lockers, uh, app lockers, the new thing. Very nice. Well, what is the okay? So what is the experience for an end user? What would an end user see if they try to run a PowerShell script or executable that they're not allowed to see? Or run. Okay, so um, in default scenario, they won't see anything at all. Ah. They will find their executable, give it a double click, or try and run it in command prompt, and there won't be the slightest glimmer from the machine of it happening. Ah. If <clears throat> if you've got your event viewer available to that user, they'll be able to see an event that says app locker is blocked, whichever they tried to run and a path to it. Uh, when you use a a Windows Store app. If you've got the tile and you click on it, the Windows Store app will open up. Uh, it will give you a message that says your administrator has prevented this using application restriction policies or group policy. I can't remember the exact word. In um, you click OK and it shuts back down again. <clears throat> well, that's pretty nifty. I mean, I I have talked with a lot of enterprise level customers. They want to enable the store app for some things, but they don't want to enable the store app for, I don't know, uh-huh. some game or something or a network scanning tool or something along those lines. So we have the ability to block modern applications and traditional applications. Yep, all in the same swoop, uh, mm-hmm. even from the same GPO if you wanted to. No more or less effort. All right, so here I go. Here's my device doozy. I'm going to throw one in here at Simon and see. Let's see if you can answer this one. This one has to do with BYOD and BYOD scenarios. I'm Tommy, and I bring in my new Surface Pro into the office, and I say to my manager, I want this to be my bring my my, my you know bring your own PC scenario, and I want to join into the domain. However, there are certain applications that are running on my system that I do not want Tommy to be able to have access to as the administrator. What is What should I expect to see when Tommy joins this machine to the Active Directory domain? So, 
It depends on uh, what user account he's using on that box. Oh, did you hear that, Alfred? Right off the bat. <laughs> this is a graduate, and he's already using the good old It Depends. It Depends. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. He's indoctrinated. Uh, oh, yeah. I've, I've been told this is, uh, this is consultant gold. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it depends. If Because AppLocker, if you've got a user target, if he is signed in with his own user locally on the box, then he won't see anything whatsoever. You won't be able to block, you won't be able to allow. If he is signing in using a domain account, then he'll get the same policies as, as say he was logged into one of your own corporate estate devices. What What is the mechanism that forces the uh, forces them to see that behavior? Would it be? Uh, is it group policy? What What is it that kicks in that, that prevents them from being able to do those things? It's uh, it's as soon as the application identity service on the machine sees a group policy object that's targeted um, to something that it's responsible for. So application identity is always running, um, and it will always check the list. But if there's nothing on the list. Uh, it doesn't do anything about it. As soon as something appears on that list through group policy, then it swings into force. So there's no client? I don't have any software client I have to load that runs in the background? Nope. And no try icons. None of that. No extra extra logon time. The service starts when it's required. Uh, no servers in the back end either? No servers? No management not. servers? No. Wow, this is like a, a no-brainer. Yeah, this, this is... Uh, Nice, nice little built-in thing here that's uh, more powerful than even I expected it to be when I got to grips with it. So here's a silly question: like, if I didn't have any other options, if I, you know, like, is there are there other tools that would be able to do these things? If 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 uh, if if for instance, for uh, instance, AppLocker didn't exist, how would I be able to accomplish this task? So there are a few third-party tools that I don't know very much about. Um, but in my experience of those, they all require something to be installed. From a Microsoft point of view, there is always application restriction policies, but we much prefer AppLocker. <laughs> so AppLocker is the new... It's uh, the new thing, yeah. Okay, so, so I imagine then <clears throat> they'll be deprecating software restriction pretty soon. Couldn't possibly say. Okay, all right. <laughs> So how many, how many, if you were to say, I'm going to have this rule and this rules and that rule, and let's say I, we, my customer has a thousand applications, what's the maximum number of rules AppLocker can evaluate at any point in time? Uh, it will carry on for as many rules as you give it. It's quite quick at evaluating those. And I think at the moment we're running with... There's 180, probably close to 220 apps um, in my in my current focus, and each one has a restriction policy for every executable and DLL that it drops. And at the moment, that shows no significant sign of load time on the box. Um, we're not taking ages to download the group policies, and AppLocker is blocking those from the moment the user's logged on. All right, so there's got to be some gotchas here. There's, there's got to be some things that we can share with our listeners 
to uh, that that they need to watch out for as they implement AppLocker? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, sweeping rules are quite a dangerous one. So I've done this myself as part of a demonstration. You've got to be careful when you set path rules um, because if you catch something out that you're going to need to log in, use Windows, or, for example, if you block the group policy management console on your servers, you're not going to get back in again to un-app locker that group policy management console. Ooh, and then that could be dangerous. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> All right, so same that's thing, one. Sweeping rules, same thing being goes careful. With the windows. Yeah. Yeah, same thing goes with the Windows folder. If you uh, if you switch app locker on and you delete that that default rule, then when you go to command prompt or the run box to run those things, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> okay. Mm. What else have you run into uh, to any other gotchas? Uh, yeah, when you are using it with application virtualization app v, um, you need to remember that the applications are pulled down to a cache at program data. See program data. So please, 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 if you make app blocker rules uh, for those, then block them there. The instances of them that appear in the user's own folders are just folder redirection links. Hmm, that's a good one. Well, I definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> All right, so um, I okay. heard uh, that there is some sort of generator wizard thing can you tell us about that what it what that is there is but i've got a i've just had one more gotcha which is a fantastic one i've, I've got to bring it up okay when you use uh, app locker you've got to restrict your user's ability to switch off the application identity service <laughs> Ooh, that is a good one a power yeah. user would certainly uh would certainly like that little feature wouldn't they yeah precisely if you can go in there and hit the stop button on that then you stop app locker and you've got free right of the box again. So what do you oh, do? Just no. throw a, yeah. What do you do? Just throw a, a GPO that forces that yep. service? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Just uh, stops the user from stopping it. Okay. It starts when required. And as long as they can't stop it from starting when required, you're all good. Okay. Sounds pretty cool. So uh, what's the largest number of... Um, uh, Seeds that you've implemented AppLocker on. Uh, at the moment, myself, I've, uh, I'm about to drop it on a thousand users. Um, it's not happened yet, so I can't possibly say. Oh, uh, they're going to feel the thunder, <laughs> huh? Yeah, oh, well, it's gonna ho- come down hopefully. Like, boom, AppLocker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, it should be a nice, discreet thunder that they won't feel until they try and do something wrong. So. <laughs> Can I control it through uh, a command line like PowerShell? Is that possible to use uh, AppLocker through a command line? You know, I don't actually know. That's one I'd have to go back and find out. Mm. Yeah, actually, yeah. you can, Alfred. I <clears throat> So while we were chatting here, I pulled up TechNet, and you can. Uh, you do have the ability to control some of that through PowerShell. Oh. And the other... Um, the other thing that I that I thought was quite good is there's two different modes in AppLocker. You've got um, enforce and audit mode. Have you had a chance to use those, Simon? The audit mode. Oh yes, um, it's recommended, and I think you'll probably find this in the technical article you've got up in front of you that you don't just dump AppLocker in full restrict mode immediately onto an existing estate because uh, you don't know what you're going to break. 
So if you stick it in audit mode, what it does is it's active, but it won't block. And it will log and spit out events all over Event Viewer to tell you what it would have stopped um, and what it wouldn't have stopped so that you can take that information back and make a metered decision on when you're going to switch it on properly. Mm. Okay. It allows you to see anything you might have missed. Okay. And we didn't we didn't get into that uh, generator tool business. Can you tell uh, us yes. about that? Absolutely. So um, if you open up the group policy section that deals with app locker rules, in there when you give it a right click, there's an option to automatically generate rules. And what this does is it prevents you the extremely tedious task of having to go through and define rules for every single application. It's not something that I've used, but I'm assured it works fantastically. At the moment, our environment dictates that the security level says we have to go do it through and do one for each thing individually and note down that we've done it. But uh, the, the, usual, the usual flow would be to use the automatic generation tool. And what that does is it scans the box and creates you a set of rules and then you can switch those on and off as you see fit, delete, modify them, etc. It does the bulk of the work for you, essentially. Nice. All right. Well, I am completely out of questions here. Uh, this is uh, sounds like an amazing tool. I certainly am going to jump into um, sharing this with my customers and let them know that this tool is available. This tool is, by the way, what's the cost? What's the licensing involved in this? It's uh, it's already there with Windows. So if you've got Windows, you're good to go. Wow. So it's just it's another feature. Todd, be it prior to that, it, it, so was it always another feature, or was it? It's, it's just kind of been embedded as part of it. As I guess it's always yeah. been another feature, huh? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's been there since Windows Seven. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I guess I'm I'm curious. Uh, you know, one of the things. I have a challenge with is making sure my users know about the tools and you know features like AppLocker. How how are you going about ensuring that your customer can take advantage of it? Is it just a matter of just hey let's use it and see what happens? Um, I think it's uh, it's part of the Windows pitch. It's part of the uh, where previously we would uh, have the application control policies as a piece on on user restriction and environment safety. It, it just fills that gap in. Mm -hmm. And how do you... So if I have an up application, a new up, let's say I have Adobe version 10 and, and it's been blocked from being installed, um, would I, you know, or even Adobe, would I just put a policy in place that's based on the actual hash to prevent people from installing it? So uh, in that case, I would stick a rule in myself against the publisher of the mm -hmm. MSI. Um, and then you can say anything from Adobe that is Acrobat Reader, stop it in its tracks. Um, and then you don't even need to worry about the version number unless you specifically say there'll be no Adobe Acrobat version 8, 9, 10, or 11 on that box. Cool, cool. Well, that's all the questions I have as well. I kind of uh, had to take a step further than Frank there, but I got my questions out. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, <clears throat> so let's let's finish up with uh, Simon. If we have administrators that want to learn more about this, where would you suggest they go to do that? 
there is a fantastic guide on TechNet which will take you through AppLocker from start to finish, uh, including some fantastic screenshots of the management interface and the GPOs and everything. Brilliant. So, if you want to know a bit more, that'd be my my first port call. All and right. of course this and of course this podcast because uh, here we are. Yeah, yeah, this fantastic podcast, best podcast, uh, Microsoft podcast that that I know of. Alfred, do you know of anyone better? I can't think of one better, man. Me Seriously, either. yeah, it's amazing. All right, cool. Well, um, thank you to our listeners for joining us for yet another episode of the Device Pros. Please continue to give us your feedback on Twitter. You can find us the Device Pros. You can reach us on Facebook at the Device Pros. Or you can get online and take a look at our website at thedevicepros.com. We love the feedback. We're getting some some really good suggestions in. We'll be adding new episodes and new topics of information based on the things that you're asking us for. If you need some more information, please feel free to reach out to any of us or all of us. And we'd be happy to direct you in the right direction to get AppLocker or any other Microsoft technology deployed in your environment. Simon, thank you so much again for joining us. Much appreciated. Hey, no worries. Alfred, signing off. Peace out, homies. <laughs> Take care. Next time. All right. Bye. That wraps up another amazing episode of the Device Pros. We appreciate you tuning in and participating. We'll be back in two weeks with another incredible episode helping the technology community one podcast at a time. We want to hear from you, our loyal members, so please reach out on our website, thedevicepros.com, or The Device Pros on Twitter and Facebook. For now, be good to your technology, and remember, the NSA is watching. See ya! While we work at Microsoft, this podcast is independent of Microsoft and implies no warranty or guarantee of the products or services. We will not be sharing anything confidential, and we do not represent the opinion of Microsoft in any way. We are just two passionate guys that love what we do implementing Microsoft devices and services.